0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carol Wood. We hope you feel honored, empowered and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trPfamily.org.: How many ready for, ready for the main point? main point? God made everything with divine purpose including romance and sexuality. Everyone say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. We are going there today. So, you know, if you get queasy, this is your chance now. But uh, I feel like the Lord's got something special to share with us today about this. Uh, I feel like the church in general... Um, has been silent on the subject of sex a little bit too much i feel like the church has used the subject of sex to be a little bit taboo you know and uh, what it's done is it's created in a vacuum for an entire generation to try and figure out sex on their own. and i'm here to right some of those wrongs is that okay with you God made everything with his divine purposes. Everything that God made. Everything God made, he made with his divine purpose. He does nothing without purpose. In fact, you quickly come to realize that after you really take the time to meditate on your life, you're going to realize that purpose is supreme. If you understand the purpose of a thing, you will use it rightly. But where purpose is misunderstood, abuse is inevitable. Where purpose is misunderstood, abuse is inevitable. How many guys know that, uh, how many guys been in my house? Everybody, there raise your hand. Right in my house, okay. So I have in my house like a 75-inch television, all right? Don't look at me like that. I have a 75 inch television. Okay, whatever. It's fine. I like I like watching stuff. Okay. Most of the television I there is is now used for my kids to play Minecraft. Like I barely get to use my own TV. However, before we had our 75 inch television, we used to have a 55 inch television. And the reason why we don't have a 55 inch television anymore is because my lovely daughter thought that she would be helping us clean the house by cleaning the TV, by grabbing a spray bottle and spraying it. And she just said, look that i clean. How do you, I mean, what do you do in that moment, you know? Like, kick it back, cause she's trying to help. Little did she know that there's like Like, all of the center part of the TV was absolutely broken. You couldn't watch anything. Like, all the graphics were destroyed. Completely, it was just not paperweight, okay? (sighs) Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because my lovely daughter used that spray bottle for the incorrect purpose. And she damaged something very valuable all Abuse is inevitable. We will eventually damage or misuse the thing that we know if we don't know its purpose. Does that make sense? So I'm here today to simply call out a few of the divine purposes of sexuality. Now look, this is an incredibly huge subject. And unfortunately, this subject cannot be covered all in its entirety on one Sunday morning. I hope that what this does is this simply begins a dialogue between us as believers. I hope what this does is it essentially just opens up a chance for us to explore God's divine purposes on this subject a little bit more. I think, just like all things, one of the most dangerous things that we can come across is being too familiar with God in a certain subject area. The same way that the people in Jesus' hometown, they were so familiar with him. Because of their familiarity, he could not be as So I, just, I hope that today all it does is just, just opens up potentially a new dialogue between you and God. And have me encourage you to search deeper on this subject. On what exactly did God have in mind when he gave this gift? The first of the divine purposes that I believe God instituted for sexuality, very first and foremost, is to reveal God's glory in the earth. Sex can be a lot of things, but in my humble opinion, sex is first about revealing God in the earth. It is a type and shadow of the divine cosmic dance between the pursued and the pursuer. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. It says this is to, talking about in context to people serving in the temple. They served in the sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. How many believe that the sanctuary, the actual temple was a type and shadow of what is actually the real temple in heaven? Anybody? Great show of hands, yes. So, what we're doing in Hebrews, they're talking about how the people served in the sanctuary that was a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle see that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. God warned Moses, hey, a heavenly reality attached to it. So let me warn you to do this exactly how I tell you to do it. There are many types and shadows that God has used to reveal His nature and the nature of the universe throughout the Bible and history. One of them was the bronze serpent. Anybody know the bronze serpent? In the Old Testament, we know the story Of the Israelites who had rebelled against God they had they had offended God with their insults and their complaints in the in the in the exodus in Egypt that eventually judgment was mounted against them and what was happening they were getting bitten by venomous creatures venomous snakes and thousands were dying and the Bible told Moses God told Moses to raise up a bronze serpent that if anyone were to look to the serpent lifted up, they would immediately be healed of their venom. We know that although that was a miracle, that was also a shadow or a type or a physical representation of Jesus to come. That now, if anyone has been bitten by the venom of life, if anyone's been bitten by the venom of sin, all they need to do now is look up to the one that was raised on the cross and they'll be healed of the vacuum. Yes? We know that the Passover lamb is also a physical type and shadow, a physical representation of a heavenly reality. We know that this Passover lamb was to live with the Israelites for a period of time. We know that they were supposed to become buddies, and then you kill them. <laughs> like, they were actually supposed to feel the sorrow of killing this lamb. And then what ends up happening? They were supposed to eat it in haste. Eat it in haste. Right? And then what? Take the blood of the Lamb and put it on where? The doorposts. And the night of the Passover is, if the blood of the Lamb is on your doorpost, death shall what? Pass over your home. We know that now, at the end of the age, and at the end of our own lifetime, there are going to be two types of people. People with the blood of Jesus on their hearts, on the doorposts of their hearts, and those without The Bible calls hell, in the book of Revelation, a second death. So the only way to avoid this second death is to come before the judge with the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts of the heart. What is that? That is a physical representation of a spiritual reality. These are, I'll read it (laughs) These are physical representations that point to heavenly realities. Sex is meant to be a divine, physical representation between the relationship of Christ and his church. So much of the message about sex with church has just been, don't do it to get married. The end. Can I get an amen? Right? Or am I I the only one? There has not been enough value put on the subject. There's not been enough mystical teaching on this exact subject that our actual gift that we have called sexuality is actually meant to display our relationship between Christ and God. I hope some of you are getting uncomfortable because we're just getting started. Think about it. When we accepted the proposal of his love in saying yes to Jesus, we became his bride. And then where did he go to dwell after that? Where? In us. When I said yes to Jesus, when he proposed to me with his own life and his own blood, and I said yes for him to enter after he did not door, he actually came to dwell inside of me. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. When I married my beautiful wife, I now dwell in her for the rest of my days. When she said yes to my proposal. When I told her with that ring in hand and vows in my mouth that I would lay down my life for her, she said yes and then I went into her. This is a divine parallel between Christ and his church and me and my own father. Some of you have missed out the mystical value of this thing. Something I've learned over our 10 years of marriage is that the more I've abided in her, the more she exists in me.
1: As I dwell in her, I come to realize,
0: oh, God, she's part of my own soul. The same way as Christ lives in us, we also live in him. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone's where? In where? In if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And isn't it so beautiful that as I am in my bride, we create new creations together? Listen, if you're not liking this, I can stop now. Is so anybody? How you feel about this? You like this? You want me to keep going? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of the divine purposes of sexuality is that we become divine co-creators with God Almighty. Did you know that when God created the universe, the universe was conceived in bliss? Did you know that? It says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, verses 27 to 31, When he hung the tapestry of the heavens and stretched out the horizon of the earth, when the cloud and skies were set in place and the subterranean fountains began to flow strong, I, wisdom, how do you guys know that wisdom is Jesus? Anybody? Wisdom is Proverbs 8 here talking, but you guys know that wisdom is Jesus, Yes. I, wisdom, was there when he set in place the pillars of the earth and spoke the decrees to the seas, commanding the waves so that they wouldn't overstep their boundaries. I was there, Jesus, I, wisdom, was there at the creator's side as the master artist. Daily he was filled with delight. Daily he was filled with delight in me as I playfully rejoiced before him. I laughed and played. So happy of what he had made while finding my delight in the children of men. This this wording shows you that when creation was coming about, there was bliss in the Godhead. Creation started with an eruption of bliss and joy. So now through the mystical power of divine holy sex in matrimony, Brianna and I now have the chance to co-create with God our wonderful children. The thing that makes me smile the most is that they were conceived in an explosion of divine bliss. (laughs) Hallelujah. My children's very human existence started in the atmosphere of bliss and love. What a great way to start existence, huh? Another one of the divine purposes of married sex in the kingdom is spiritual warfare. Oh, you didn't hear about that one in your spiritual warfare class, did you? Are you guys good? <laughs> the Bible says in the, first, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5, or 2 through 5, whew, perhaps because of the danger of immorality. Everyone say the danger of immorality. The Bible ain't holding any kind, sugarcoating anything here. Because of the dangers of immorality, each husband should have sexual intimacy with his wife. And each should have, and each wife should have sexual intimacy with her husband. A husband has the responsibility of meeting the sexual needs of his wife. Ladies, say amen. Likewise, a wife, uh, likewise, a wife to meet the needs, sexual needs of her husband. Fellas, say amen. Neither husband nor wife have exclusive rights to their own bodies. But those rights are surrendered to the other. So don't continue to refuse your spouse those rights, except perhaps by mutual agreement specified between the both of you for a devoted time for prayer. Are you ready for the next verse? Are you ready for the next verse? And then you should resume your physical pleasure so that the adversary cannot take advantage of you because of the desires of your body. You should engage in physical pleasure so that Satan cannot have an advantage over you. Fellas, let me help you out. Married fellas in the house. Be like, baby, this is for spiritual warfare, okay? All right? We're fighting the devil together, okay? Is that okay? Can I tell us some jokes? Are we good? It's in the Bible. That as we come together and as we we love one another well, both in the bedroom and outside the bedroom, the enemy starts to lose places to enter this marriage. As as we start to love one another and, and the two become one, he's losing gaps to enter. Any kind of hole that he can, he's running out of holes to poke through. It actually says when you, you should resume your physical pleasures so that the adversary cannot take advantage of you because of the desires of your body. Whew. One of the lies the enemy has attacked my wife with over the years is that she's not good enough. Over the years, my wife, wonderful woman. How do you guys think that Brianna's wonderful? Am I the only one in here? Brianna's fantastic. My mom and I prayed for years. The Lord asked me to not date for five years when I was 15. I ended up only giving him four years. I ended up failing in the fifth year. But even then, we prayed, and God had given me a word the second year of my time, my period of waiting. He said, the woman that I'm going to give you is divine. And me and my mom, just forget for years, were praying for this divine wife, this divine wife. And I remember I, remember I used to hold on to that definition divine. The Bible, uh, the Bible, <laughs> the Webster's Dictionary says that divine is something that is like or of God, holy. Very beautiful and very pleasing. And I just remember, I was like, God, you are going to give me a divine wife, one who has a character just like God. And I prayed, me and my mom, together. We prayed for years for so that divine. Anytime somebody tried to come around flirt with her son, nah, she ain't divine. My mom would just send her right on. My mama just, <laughs> that's right. She just, ah, n- 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 no, esta no. Esta no, no, not this one, Joel. Joelito, no. My mom protected me. Until I find my divine wife. But here's the thing. Even my wife, being as terrific as she is, one of the lies that the enemy has been trying to attack her with all her life is that she's not good enough. That no matter what, other people will pick, people will pick others over her. Well, guess what? Every time I love my wife well, both in the bedroom and out of the bedroom, I silence the lying tongues of the demonic realm and they end up losing their credibility and and believability in her mind. Like I can actually silence the voice of the attackers in her mind by loving her well and saying, baby, I choose you above all the others. When I come and and I intensely love her with intentionality, I actually silence the voice of the demonic in her mind. I'm not playing when I tell you that oneness between a couple is spiritual warfare. This ain't a joke. One of the fears that the enemy has tried to torment me over the years is my fear of being alone. Can anybody relate? I don't fear being alone as much as I used to, but it's still, it's been a a thing that I've had to fight over the years, being alone. And Brianna, as she intentionally chooses me, both in the bedroom and out of the bedroom, she gets to stomp on the head of the lying snake in my life. This is spiritual warfare. And the enemy is losing ground every time we love each other well. Every time we love each other well, the enemy loses his advantage. And when you're in war, advantage is everything. Sex is meant to be enjoyed and protected by the marriage boundary, the boundary of marriage. It's actually a form of protection. The reason why God is so adamant about us waiting till marriage is because God wants to protect that vulnerability that we have in sexuality with this fence of marriage. Because by the way, when you get married, it's a lot harder to get out of marriage than you realize. Even today, in today's society, those little like billboards that you see, like $99 divorces, that ain't real, y'all. Divorces are stressful, and they're difficult, and they take years to get out of. Anybody know this in real life? Yes? Okay, divorces are extremely difficult. So even in today's society, it's extremely hard to get out of a marriage. And I believe that that's actually by right the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that when you enter into marriage with someone, that it's not so easy to just walk out the next day. You understand, and that 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 covenant protection is what meant to be. It's what meant. It's what's meant to protect our vulnerability inside the connection. That there's actually a fence around this connection. That this person is not just going to walk out on me tomorrow. Now, of course, um, you know I have seen divorces in my life. I'm not saying that we do this perfectly, but the idea of marriage, the original intent of marriage, is to protect the vulnerability of this other person with my vows. I'm protecting you with my vow. My vow that I'm gonna love you in rich or poor, in sickness and health, for better or for worse, till death do its part. That's a form of protection that now you can let your guard down because I'm not going anywhere. Tomorrow, I'll still be here. That's what marriage is supposed to be. It's a death covenant. And the only way we're supposed to be released of this thing is if one of us dies. Now, let me tell you something. <laughs> Some of you are not going to get this. That's okay. I'm still saving myself for marriage. <laughs> what? What do you mean, Joel? I choose to be sexually vulnerable and dependent upon Brianna's willingness to prioritize me. I remember one time I was praying about this in my marriage. I was praying about my marriage. Me and God were talking. We're talking specifically about the realm of sex. And he said, um, the Lord told me, he says, Joel, I want you to become more and more sexually dependent on Brianna and not sexually independent on your own. Because, see, here's the deal. Even in a marriage covenant, you can have two people that are totally sexually independent from one another. Right? That they're kind of like, you know, they kind of meet in the middle, but there isn't really this interdependency of one another. And I just know that God specifically instructed me, Joel, you need to learn to be more and more dependent on her and not so independent on your own. It's a, it's a form of voluntary weakness. It's a form of voluntary choosing that, hey, you know what? Um, I'm going to let you prioritize my needs, and I'm going to focus on prioritizing yours. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend the rest of our years prioritizing one another above ourselves. You still with me? So I'm still waiting for marriage. <laughs> I'm still waiting on her. I will never not be waiting for marriage. So for those of us that listen, who are single right now, that are in this position, listen, when I was single, um, like, I had to, the nights that I wanted someone at my side, and the nights that I wanted to be just, even not even just sexual, I just wanted someone else to be with me, it was in my season of singlehood that I learned to depend upon the Lord. Like, I, I, I. (laughs) <laughs> the Joel you see today is a person that has spent, when I, the reason why I have any kind of stability in my life right now is because in the years of my singlehood where I felt alone, I would lean on Jesus. Like I'd pray to him, I'd cry to him, I'd pour my heart out onto him until I would feel my heart satisfied. Like I had to learn how to lean on the Lord. And now what that has done is that's created a stability in me that I'm no longer idolizing Brianna. Or I don't idolize a lot of people in my life because I know that, that my stability comes from God. So if you're in a season of singlehood or singleness right now, I'm just trying to tell you, listen, be blessed in your connection with Jesus. Pursue God as hard as you possibly can. Oh, and by the way, if God has you called to be married to someone, that other person will find you in their pursuit for God. Right? As the two people pursue God together, eventually they'll run into one another. Be busy Building your connection with God, and it will make your connection with your spouse that much more fruitful and healthy. Or can I get an amen? amen. But let's level set some expectations. I'm not here, uh, now, um, I'm not here to say that once someone gets married, it's not a guarantee that sex automatically is magical and awesome. <laughs> can I get an amen? I think the church has almost romanticized this whole waiting till marriage, and then poof, it's perfect. Let me give you some good news. Are you ready for this, good news? There's no such thing as a perfect sex life. Everybody take a deep breath. Because sometimes, some nights, it just doesn't work out, does it? Some nights it just, the stars do not align. There's no such thing as a perfect sex life. But what marriage is meant to do, if done properly, is to create a safe place for two individuals to work on themselves and their sexual connection without fear of the other person leaving all of a sudden. Remember, the value of a person is infinite because God put the price tag God established the price tag of every human being when he exchanged the value of his life for the value of yours. David, can you come up? I'm just gonna, no, I'm gonna have David. Please. Is it? Yeah, quietly. Okay, yeah, I got you. Remember that the value of every person is infinite because God put the price tag... On every human being, God established the price tag of every human being when he exchanged the value of his life for the value of yours. So look at the person next to you. You ready? Look at the person next to you. That person is infinitely valuable. Not because of what they've done. Not because of what they do. Not because of what they have not yet to do. They are infinitely valuable because Jesus died for them. Can you put a price tag on Jesus? No. Why? Because Jesus is infinitely valuable. And because Jesus is infinitely valuable, he traded the value of his life for the value of yours. Therefore, humans should not be consumed without their first being a price stating their value. Humans should not be consumed without cost because they're extremely valuable creatures. Do you agree? So, of course, the best way to state the value on another person is by forsaking all others in marriage. That's what it is. It's a statement of your value that I will forsake all others just for you. That's what it is, guys. Marriage is a statement lived through a life of commitment. Committing to forsake all others, committing to lay down one's life for the sake of your spouse, choosing to love them for better or for worse. Because humans are so valuable and because sex is so important in the course of reality, of course it requires something like marriage to legitimize it. Of course it does. When the church preaches abstinence, it's like, gosh, I've I've heard so many messages on like purity and abstinence that are so like, just awful. It's flat out bad. Like, you're telling me to wait. Why? Well, because... We choose sexual purity, and we choose to stay sexually faithful because of the value of the other person on the other, on the other side of the commitment. And because that person is infinitely valuable, of course I'm gonna stay committed to them because God called them infinitely valuable. Therefore, I will call valuable what God calls valuable, and I'll do so with my actions. The problem with Satan that Satan thought that he could define reality in his own terms. The trick of Lucifer, the thing he fell for, was that he could define himself however he wanted. You know what? I'm better than God. That was the original sin. The original sin was the pride of the enemy. You know what? I could do better than him. I'm smarter than him. I can figure out a better way than his ways. You know what, I can do things myself and still probably get a good result. Let us not think that we can define ourselves and the things that God has defined on our own terms and not expect to reap serious consequences. Just so you know, we're in a society that we think we can define our own gender, we think we can define our own everything, that we ourselves are our own divine judge. We are not. There is a creator who is also the judge of all things, and he judges what is and what is not. So when God tells me what sex is, it's up to me to believe him and follow, but dare I not be so stupid as to think that I can define sex better than he can because I didn't manufacture this in the first place. He was the great designer. So I'm just trying to tell you right now that like like there is a divine way to all things. There's a divine purpose. There's a divine path. There's a divine original. And and I can ask God, God, like just because you may not agree with God, it doesn't mean you've got to give up on God. Just because you don't agree with him doesn't mean you got to give up on your relationship with him. Just ask God, Hey God, can you please help me understand why you want it this way? I believe, but I need you to help my unbelief here a little bit, Jesus. Like why, why, why do I got to do it like this? And he will show you. He will show you why his ways are better. He will. But in the process, he asks you to trust him. Every act of obedience is actually an act of trust. Did you know that? Every time we obey God, whether it's with sex, whether it's with finances, whether it's with our words, whether it's with our actions, whatever it is we do, every act of obedience requires trust. So I think what God is asking us to do, particularly in this area, is to trust Him again, that His ways are right and pure, that He's smarter than us, that He knows the best ways for our life. I remember one time, me and Brianna, when we were struggling with our temptation as we were engaged, uh, we ended up having sex twice outside of marriage. And then I just remember saying, it was a Thursday afternoon, three and a half months before our wedding. I said, hey, what are you doing? She said, oh, nothing. I said, do you want to get married? She said, yeah, I do. I said, okay, I'll be there in about an hour. And we got married three and a half months before our wedding because we didn't want to dishonor God with our bodies. And I'm not saying that that's eloping is always the answer. That's what I'm saying. What I am saying is obedience is. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter six, verse 27, can a man scoop fire into his lap and expect not to catch on fire? There's no such thing as free sex. No such thing. You either pay for it with commitment, you pay for it with holy matrimony, some people pay for it with money. But ultimately, if you're not gonna pay for it the way God has designed you to pay for it, guess what? You will pay for it with a fragmented soul. The Bible says that anyone who commits sexual morality, anyone who commits sexual morality commits a sin against his own soul, against his own person. Sex is not free, it's too important. God put too much value on it for it to be freely used or freely abused. Proverbs chapter five, verses 15 through 19. Drink water from your own well. Share love with only your spouse. Why spill your water into the streets? Why with just having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth for she is a loving dear, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Hebrews chapter 13 verse four, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge anyone. God will surely judge people who are immoral or who commit adultery. Choosing to be sexually pure is simply choosing to state that I am not smarter than God. I'm surrendering to his ways above my own. Let's have the prayer team come on up. Were you blessed by this? Yes? Good. Because man, um, my wife and I both went into marriage, already had experiencing some sexual trauma in our lives. Before I got married, I was molested. Before my wife got married, she was molested. And so we both had sexual trauma going into this marriage. And did you know, That even though we had sexual trauma, God used this marriage connection to heal one another of our own traumas. God used our connection to bring healing to one another. Because his ways are just better. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Carol Wood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.